0: Today, we review the first three episodes or part one of Apple's newest action drama series, Echo 3, starring Jessica Ann Collins, Luke Evans, Maciel Hoosman, and Martina Guzman. The show premiered November 23rd and is based on both a series and novel titled When Heroes Fly. It's December 1st and you're listening to today's episode. In preparation of this episode, you did more research by watching the actual show it was based on. The first two episodes
1: of When Heroes Fly, and you know who it starred? No, I don't know anything about the series. It starred Frenchie from The Boys. Okay. And he is practically... He's playing,
0: but, but he's speaking France. France. <laughs> oh, my God. He's speaking French for it, right? Well, no,
1: it's an Israeli series. So he's actually speaking Hebrew for it. Doesn't he speak French in The Boys? Yeah, and he speaks English in When Heroes Fly in The Boys as well. But, like, he is complete, he's a completely different character. I have more respect for him now that I've actually seen him in this show where he's, like, playing a very serious character.
0: Ah, I mean, so is Mikhail Hoosman. I wouldn't say he's a better character than he was at Haunting at Hill House, but he's certainly different. Luke Evans, it feels like he's... She's always playing an action-oriented role. Jessica Ann Collins reminded me a lot of a Vera Farmiga character, uh, especially when she's, like, being more vindictive or, like, angrier. Um, <laughs> it's just the facial expression. And then the Martina Guzman, I don't think I've seen her before, but she's not even in the first episode. Should I just jump her? Oh,
1: actually, I want to hear what you thought of uh, when heroes Fly. It reminded me a lot of Lone Survivor, Fort, which is a different Israeli film. The Terminalist, especially, like, the more you get into the episodes, and then Zero Dark Thirty as well. Okay, for people who haven't seen those, though, like, how would you
0: describe the series?
1: Uh, Dark... Action-packed, I'd say. Also, definitely drama-heavy. Especially, like, mystery as well. Suspense, I'd say. What does it
0: deal with? The same storyline? Is it literally the same storyline that I'm about to discuss right now?
1: Uh, I think that the U.S. series is a little bit different because the Israeli series centers around four characters that make it out of a military ambush when they were just about to go home, and then it deals with the PTSD of that. Aviv, who is the main character in When Heroes Fly, figures out that his wife, who died, like, I think, uh, like, two years prior, because there's an 11-year time jump after the ambush. Yeah. Two years prior to uh, when the show really takes place, dies, but then it turns out that the wife still might be alive. Oh. And then all four of them kind of group back together and try to figure out what's going on because they see a picture of her in a newspaper.
0: So it's like Fast and Furious, where they find out that the lady who died in, like, the fifth movie came back in the sixth or
1: something? <laughs> in a way, yeah. Okay.
0: But also... And they had to bring the family back together. Yeah,
1: and, and it also has been renewed for a second season, even though it came out in 2018. It deals with different timelines. There's a 2006 timeline, 2008 timeline, present-day timeline, which I think, again, was 2018. So, uh-huh. yeah, so. so I think
0: what they did is they took that complicated story and they tried to simplify it a little bit. We do get some pretty similar missions... Um, the first episode is called Flyaway. And do you have any idea why it would be called Flyaway?
1: No, not okay, really. So how, how long was the first episode? It was though?
0: like over an hour. Yeah, because so. the
1: first episode for One Heroes Fly was an hour 20. And yeah. then I think the rest of the series was like 40 minutes. Or at least when I got onto Netflix, it was 40 minutes.
0: And, and and the main difference, I would say, from what you just described in the series is that this one just revolves a kidnapping. A kidnapping mm. specifically of Amber. The first thing we see in the first episode is a little baby gator swimming through a swamp where we learn it's Columbia. But we don't know that quite yet. There's this gorilla outfit and they have a group of American hostages and they're being held at gunpoint and they're in the middle of the jungle. And then we get a six month earlier cut to Amber's wedding. And the sole purpose of this next 15 minutes is to meet the main three characters. You've got Amber, who is the bride and she's flocked by bridesmaids. Um, Again, she reminds me of Vera Farmiga. Her husband is Eric but he's referred to as Prince in the entire series, is part of a special ops team. And Alex, her brother, Bambi, is also part of the special ops team. So from now on, I'll just refer to them as Prince and Bambi because that's what they do in the show. Uh, Amber asks Bambi if she's making the right choice. She's kind of having wedding jitters, but she also tells Bambi that when they're out on missions, that he has to take care of Prince and make sure that he comes home.
1: So basically what they did was Prince is Aviv, and then uh, yes. Bambi is Doobie from the series. Doobie? Yes, yeah, is- Doobie, because Doobie is the brother of Yali. That's the wife yeah. that Aviv has. And <laughs> it sounds like those were the two characters that they adapted into the But show. you said
0: it was a group of them, like their whole team. There, were, there was four of them. Yeah. There were four of them. And in this, it's going to – so there's their whole team is there at the wedding. And there's like I think six of them. I think there's more than four of them, right? And they actually get a call in the middle of the wedding. That's where the episode title comes into play. Flyaway. Mm. They get it, and they're like, in eight hours, we have to go to Afghanistan, and we have to save these uh, journalists from these terrorists, right? Okay. Okay. I can see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. So, but but then they're like, it's your wedding, bro. Just hang out with your wife for the next few hours. He tells her. It's a very fancy wedding, nice estate. We meet Bradley Whitford. He plays Prince's father. Um, He has a very short appearance, which makes me believe that later on in the series, he'll show up again. He doesn't actually for the next two episodes though. But we do learn that he sells military-grade equipment to different governments. So Prince has a lot of connections. He's been groomed to be a senator. That's sort of why he's like the all-American. While the other side of things, you've got Bambi and Amber. They were raised more in a redneck lifestyle. And they were also all-American, but like in a different way. And she became a researcher. Her mom's a drug addict, and she's trying to combat that. But anyways, they jump off to this mission in Afghanistan, right? And their mission leader guy is named Drifter, and he's calling everybody together and they head off in this helicopter. They're in Nangarhar province, Afghanistan, and they're dropping people off on the helicopter, literally princes on a rope dangling over a mountain where they have these drones looking down to see if anybody's going to shoot at them, and then they realize they're on the wrong mountain. So... (laughs) But, but as they're, like, moving to the right mountain, that's when they actually see people shooting at them, and Prince falls off the rope. He's fine. He lands um, on the snowy top of the mountain, and the rest of the team lands, like, a click away, right? Okay. And so they're separated, and the journalists uh, who are being held hostage are in the middle. And so you have some of the terrorists running one way, some of the terrorists running the other way, and there's this whole kind of, like, tense 10 minutes of just back and forth with the drones and the footage and the
1: shooting. Yes, no, that this is exactly like how the series started off, When Heroes Fly. So how did it end in, in uh, When Heroes Fly? So who did you say was the person that was heading the whole Drifter. entire operation? Drifter? Yes. I feel like he's Azule because uh, they found two people in the tank instead of them holding like American journalists. They found two people in the tank. They were like, what are you doing here? And then they were like thinking that they were going to take the two people in the tank with them and then they got ambushed and then Azule, who I have a bad feeling, is Drifter in this case scenario dies. And basically uh, that's when Aviv has to make the decision to just get out of there and get, and save as many people as he can. So
0: it's similar. They, they do save the journalists. And then right when they're about to go up and save Prince, because he's off on that mountain by himself, he's taken out a bunch of uh, terrorists, but he's still like surrounded and he's kind of hurt at this point, right? I think he's been shot. And that's when Drifter gets shot as well. Yeah. And it looks like he's down. Like he's not responding but like you can sort of see that he's breathing and that's when Bambi has to make a decision because he's kind of far off he can't see him and he keeps on asking, make a move like do anything. I need to make sure that you're alive before we risk everything to save you because he has to make the decision between Drifter and Prince to, yeah. to save. And because okay. of that earlier conversation that he had with Amber, it's pretty clear that he's going to choose to save Prince. Mm-hmm. And so when Drifter doesn't respond in any way, he He heads off to do that and he does save Prince and Prince is like, are you sure he's dead? And he's like, yep. But really, that's, like, as soon as he turned away, that's when Drifter made, like, a move that he was still alive. Okay,
1: yeah, see, that's a difference because Aviv literally speaks to Zule like, for a good two minutes, and Zule is like, leave, save as many people as you can, I'll die here. And yeah. the two people in the tank, they don't actually save, and here you said they save the American journalist, they don't save the two people in the tank, two people in the tank get headshots. Okay,
0: so. well, it doesn't really come back into play later. I thought that this was setting up for, like, a, let's save Drifter later on in the series, yeah. but that's not what ends up happening. So, they were return home
1: and it's three months later. So they jumped three months when in the post actual submission. series, it was 11 years that they jumped post the mission.
0: Yeah, but it's like three months later, but still three months away from the intro, the beginning part right. where the where uh, people are in um, Colombia. So Amber senses that something is off between her husband and her brother. They're not getting along. So she ends up inviting them both to a dinner at this very fancy restaurant, which of course they can afford because again, she's rich now. Um, and they also show the property they live in and it's a huge giant house and it's crazy but uh they all order the specials and that's when things get really tense because that's like why don't you take responsibility for killing drifter and it's like how do you even know drifter was alive apparently there must have been intel in between that so
1: they're combining characters basically is what yeah, they're doing here. to these two
0: because you said there were four of them yes. there's really only two of them right and because so-
1: Doden in the original is the one that's holding the grudge and really blames aviv for not staying there and, and like trying to save what everyone was else. aviv
0: hurt because prince was hurt so it wasn't really on him it was more on Bambi's or
1: Doobie's character. Aviv wasn't case. hurt. He was just making the de- He was the one that made the decision to leave.
0: Yeah, it was really cool how they escaped, though, that mountain because they just sort of rolled down it and you could tell they put a lot of production cost into that. Anyway, so Amber, we learn a little bit more about her job. She does a TED Talk, but it's called a Red X Talk. And she, what she's <laughs> trying to do is she's trying to solve addiction and she thinks, okay, psychedelics can do that. They've been using them for centuries in uh, other countries with shamans and we just need to go do research in, like, say, Colombia. So that's what she does. But before she heads off to Colombia, Columbia. Uh, This is, again, when uh, the tension is happening between her husband and her brother. And Prince is being sort of controlling by saying, you got to take this beacon with you. This thing is like a GPS. It's military grade. It's from my my dad's company. And it's going to be able to track you. And she's like, no, I'm not going to take that with me. And so he stitches it into her bag without her knowledge. <laughs> she goes out and takes a run and he, he stitches it in there, which I don't think is a terrible... In fact, I think, okay, something's going to happen to her and this is going to save the day. Right. Yeah? So she heads off to Colombia with her team of researchers. It's about 100 miles away from Venezuela. They're in the jungle. They're doing sciencey stuff for weeks. And, um, they're collecting plants in it that produce alkaloids and they're also getting high. They're like tripping <laughs> like to see, I, I guess for scientific purposes. A gorilla group, though, shows up from town um, and they kind of start raising a stink. They're like, who are you, People and they kind of show their documentation and everything seems to be going okay. Like they're still searching their stuff, but it seems like they're about to let them go. But then what do they stumble upon? They fill up the, the bag GPS. and they find the beacon and they're like, what the hell is this? And they think Amber is part of like the CIA. And ironically, she is. But,
1: but that's not the reason.
0: But that's obviously <laughs> not why she had the beacon. Her husband was really arrogant, and she was supposed to be sterile, which technically means not have anything on her. And her husband didn't know she worked for the CIA. That's what Bambi tells him later on. He's like, you didn't know that? And he's like, no, I I was being so arrogant. And he was like, and Bambi's like, yes, you were. I don't blame Bambi for f- blaming Prince, but at the same time, you you do have to say that the wife probably should have told her husband that like she does more than just the research thing. Yeah, you would thing, think. Especially yeah. since <laughs> (laughs) she knows that he works in the military already in such like sort of a high level position that he wouldn't have ever like risked her in that way. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so she's kidnapped and she's in Colombia. and the end of the episode has her team mostly assassinated at that jungle spot not her Um, and then um, once uh, I keep on wanting to go back to Alex but Bambi and Prince find out they hop on a helicopter or they hop on a plane and they're like, We're going to
1: Columbia. We're gonna save her. Yeah. Okay. It was this the end of the first episode or the uh, that, the yeah. end of the first episode. Yeah, because there's a lot in there. Because yeah. that's that's kind of the summary of the first two episodes, I'd say. There were some elements that they took definitely from the second episode, I think, put in the first. Mm.
0: But, the yeah. second episode's called Torabor and the City, and the next two are kind of shorter and just explanation. The first one was just a lot of setup. The second episode you have this Colombian family led by a journalist named Violeta they're also very like well off she has a lot of contacts because she's very famous apparently as this mm-hmm. journalist like everybody respects her so she's talking to these senators Because she needs to find out what's going on with Amber, because her husband has a connection with Bradley Woodford's Mm -hmm. character, and he's asked for more information on that. And she finds out that the gang of people who kidnapped Amber are actually the pseudo-intellectual terrorist gang who are just starting out, but that makes them more dangerous, since they might want to make a statement. Yeah, right. So for most of the episode, Prince and Bambi are on a plane and then they're going to an embassy Embassy, and then they're demanding participation in the rescue. Um, and then they're going off on their own. It's sort of like vigilantes. But we get this sort of weird bureaucracy where we don't know who's actually in control or who's answering to who. And it seems as if, uh, Prince and
1: Bambi can do whatever they want without getting in trouble. Between Prince and Bambi, because this is a source of They're contention, kind of and when heroes fly, I was going to say, yeah, who's leading like who? They're sort of equal. Equal. Okay. Yeah, so everyone knows where Amber is. That's the good thing,
0: because apparently they have really good drone footage on her. The embassy is keeping track. They they literally have her on a roof somewhere. That's where she's being held. She's no longer in the jungle. She's in the middle of this town. But the town is super duper into the, like the rebel cause, mm-hmm. so they can't just go in there guns ablazing, and take her and, and and get out of there easily right right so they're trying to do this through diplomatic channels and that's where the journalist gets involved and she even interviews one of like the leaders of the rebel group and he's like oh i, I can't wait to get this article about me and she's like that's not what this is about and you know it so. <laughs> and he's like fuck off <laughs> Anyways, near the middle of the episode, you learn that she's not going to be released because of the beacon. That's become a real sticking point. They, they are convinced now that she has something to do with like the government, that she's a spy, right, mm-hmm. for the U.S. And so they don't want to let her go. And so that's when Bambi and Prince say, we're not going to wait any longer. And they take their guns and they head into town, like literally come out of a taxi, take the taxi cab driver's phone so he can't contact anybody. And this is nighttime. So they're under the cover of darkness and they bust into this house. They do some parkour skills to like get on the roof. No one's there. It's been like deserted and they find this crawl space that leads into like the house next door. And so now then we get this other mission. So there's like a mission each episode. And the first mission was in Afghanistan and this one is now in the middle of a town in the the middle of Colombia and they're walking down the streets and people are opening their doors quietly and then closing them when they're scared by seeing people with guns and you get like just a couple people on the streets who are gang members and they're like killing them off like one by one right yeah but then they don't find Amber and at the same time you have the embassy who's able to see everything that's going on and they're sort of trying to help out too like they have snipers around and they're like kill make sure that nothing happens to the Americans because that would look bad for us (laughs) (laughs) But uh, by the end of the episode, because they don't find Amber, Prince says, I know what we have to do next. And they sort of leave it at that. And they don't say what it is. Yeah. So the next episode, though, is called The Gambler. It's the last episode of the three. And uh, that's when Prince goes on a media tour. He goes on to like their (laughs) CNN, which is called TNC. And he blasts the Colombian in the U.S. response, even though he and his, his friend just went on like a vigilante venture and have faced no consequences for it. The military take over, the Colombian military take over, and Bambi and Prince bribe the um, main guy to, like, join the mission.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: okay. (laughs) Apparently it's very easy to do. (laughs) And so (laughs) Violetta... Violetta, the um, interviewer who's able to like go everywhere she wants to, she makes the tour. She's able to interview Bambi, who gets on the radio, and just so happens that Amber hears him because they're in the middle of the jungle again. They've taken Amber to the jungle, and it's now led by these two women, this group of gorillas, and these two women are, are a couple, and uh, they, they don't seem to quite know what they want to do like one of them wants to let her go but then the other one keeps on kissing her are they supposed and so, to be like dopey like they just no you know, not dopey no. at all it's just kind of strange so there's been like 600 mass shootings in the u.s just this year i know very scary number Yeah, and they've all been committed by like men and so it is weird to see a militia group or a guerrilla group i've never really heard of one that's led by two women i've heard of a full militia group being women there i was, was gonna there was say one in africa that they that we did for um that
1: we were talking about in one of our shows earlier yeah no I, I was gonna well earlier this year i'm not sure but no man's land literally that's what the whole entire series was about yeah
0: but this isn't all women or right, anything this it's is just, just two of them the two of them and i don't know why people are following them they have an endless amount of disposable bodies and it seems like the government is always able to track them. And they, they seem like they're only like a priority. They don't want money. They're not making demands. They just are trying to get to Venezuela with this American. It, it seems it like it, that would be the weakest part of the show is just trying to understand. Because if they want to show the government is weak, I feel like everybody already knows that. Right. So I don't know how much of an insult this makes. Anyways, they get surrounded. <laughs> <laughs> so they're in the jungle, and that's when the helicopters show up. They take out this other commander guy, and Violetta has also shown up. So I, I skipped over that part. She shows up first. She's just there to interview Amber, but Amber heard on that radio message from her brother, and she figured that he was he was going to follow her. Mm. So he she kind of just says that straight out to Violetta. She's like, you should stay here for now because they're about to kill everyone, And of course... (laughs) The the rebels the guerrillas are going to be listening into yeah, that conversation, so they hear that and they pick up and they start running, <laughs> and so that's the only reason why they aren't like completely taken off guard is because Amber shot her mouth off talking uh. about it, and so then they're in the jungle. There's the standoff happening and they're surrounded for hours, and it looks like the Colombians are going to be able to get her back, um, but that's when the uh, guerrilla group takes out their last card and they call in this bomb that they've set off in this cafe and they have it blow up right, and so that is enough of an indication where the government takes it says you got to leave like Mm -hmm. get out of there and so they do but that doesn't last for long because then they uh, assemble a tinier mission to then follow the the gorilla group once again. They're able to find them no problem. They're just driving in a truck this time. And this is the last five minutes of the show. And Violetta is now a prisoner as well because she never had the opportunity to leave since the previous ambush. And so they're all in this truck with the gorilla group and there's going to be like more evil people following pretty soon. But they get this opportunity where they stop them between this cove and that's when like they start shooting at the truck. They take out the tires. They take out everybody who comes jumping out. And so uh, the guerrilla group starts putting like giant towels over themselves so they can't tell who they're shooting at. So they could be shooting some hostages. So that but then they start shooting at their ankles and they take out them from the bottom and and they like rip off the cloak. Like literally, um, Prince runs down and he starts ripping. This off It sounds like these a video towels. game where you have to like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ripping out the towels <laughs> and shooting the terrorists until he comes across Amber and this and one of the the lesbian terrorists and he shoots the one one of them and kills her Um, so like one of the main villains is dead at this point and the other one and then he's with Amber and he hugs her and he's like oh man and this is literally like the last three minutes and then he gets shot in the back Like, (laughs) like literally there's just the guy who they didn't make sure was dead and he just like picks up a gun <laughs> and shoots him right in the spine so, so that- he is either dead but i don't think he's 100 dead he's, he might be paralyzed but i don't know how he
1: just walks this, this one off i assume they probably would have shown him die like they probably would have shown yeah his but they showed him hurt
0: and- like he was on the ground he wasn't moving at all he was just blinking and <laughs> And Bambi was like running from the mountain trying to like get to Amber because he had just said on the the telecom or whatever, he was like, or on the walkie talkie, he was like, I got Amber. So the last five minutes were the most surprising of the entire show. Up until then, it's pretty predictable. Like you get a lot of really cool mission sequences, really high production costs. You get these international scenes, more people in the show than most Apple series that you ever see. Hmm. Like there's still only like four stars, but still way more, like again, dispensable bodies, like crazy, it reminded me a lot more of Homeland um, or Tehran. But by killing or maiming one of the main three, making Prince like a quadriplegic or something, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's pretty serious. And I want I want to see what happens next. So I will probably check out the next oh, episode. Okay. However, I'm not like super sold on the show. Like it's 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 an entertaining watch. It's just nothing really it's not as good as, like, the best season of Homeland. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it also probably is comparable to Terminalist or Jack Ryan or, or one of those other action series. Well, I
1: where... like List if you remember.
0: Yeah, I know you did, but, like, it's one track, and I'm not exactly sure once they actually save Amber if there's anything left to that story. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I know that not only in front of the camera, but behind the camera, they got a lot of talent. They got, for the first four episodes, directing Pablo Trapero and the first lines of his Wikipedia read, one of the biggest creative forces is in latin american cinema he has multiple films nominated for best foreign language films they also got the writer for the first episode mark bull uh, however, he is best known for Ryan in producing The Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, and Detroit, uh, working with Catherine Bigelow but three But see, that's times. what, like,
0: Zero Dark Thirty simplified something that was kind of, like, a well-known event. So yeah. this is sort of the same thing where it's not a well-known event, it's a fictional event, right? Yeah. But they're kind of simplifying the way that this Co- Colombian military, or sorry, that this Colombian guerrilla group is operating. Like, their focus is just not super clear, At one point, we see Amber go from one guerrilla group to another. And I get what they're trying to show is that it's very loose. Like there's not specifically one evil group or something. It's more just a lot of uh, disgruntled people who are trying to raise a revolution. But at the same time, it just feels like it lacks the amount of accountability and focus that it would need in order to run an operation that would compete with the Colombian military in its full force.
1: I know that they were trying to say, I think, just get a lot of people that are big, but like Andrea Maria, Jack Men, who wrote some of the episodes to have Emmys for outstanding writing and things like Mad Men. And they got people from Luke Cage as well Southland. So I'm just saying that the people behind the camera, but it's they also, got it. Yeah, they're, like they're I get,
0: big. yeah, I, I get that they pull in subcontract actors to do vigilante missions, sort of, but the idea of having the husband, who's a pretty well-known guy since he's the son of, like, someone pretty it's like almost a Tony Stark thing (laughs) where his family sells military goods, and then also just uh, her brother being given carte blanche to just do whatever they want in that country, kill as many people as they want, like, getting the
1: license to kill in a country that they're not even a citizen with. When Heroes Fly No
0: one's talked about that?
1: When Heroes Fly did kind of play by the rules, and oh, going into the review so for this show it does have a 6.7 on imdb 67 percent. the uh, consensus reads is echo 3 doesn't meet creator mark bull's evident ambition for multi-layer drama it succeeds as a lean, mean action adventure yes so it seems like that's just basically saying forget the story enjoy kind of the spectacle that it has yeah like a crazy season of 24 or something yeah and also cachette studios they this is their second time working on apple uh, drama it's following suspicion so that so that was another show that you ended up watching Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a straight to series order Uh, I think in like July of 2020 was when I was given that order but like uh, apparently I think Mark Bull said that they've been trying to get this story like done for like three years I know that the shooting schedule was crazy for this yeah because it's all over
0: the map they went on location right yeah
1: and and there was like no breaks even the cast was talking about that it looks
0: like so much fun to be able to go where like the scenes where you see Bambi just running through the mountains or tumbling down the slopes of some <laughs> afghan they didn't probably shoot in afghanistan I, I take that back they didn't shoot on <laughs> that <laughs> but but they did shoot on like some cool snowy mountains and yeah stuff. And, and they like-
1: actually worked with like actual navy seal people yeah uh, the trailer once it was released got pretty good reviews people were calling it intensely realistic and politically relevant but the show itself got more mixed reviews i
0: feel like the show was made to show you the missions for the most part like besides the big twist at the end there with, with with him getting shot, like I
1: think it's the intensity that they really want to bring and be like, look at how cool and how yeah, it, and it's, that is a and that is a complete difference from the show because when we fly, really the only action you get is like the first twenty minutes. Then it's just suspense kind of throughout the like rest of it. It was like true
0: detective level. Some of the it wasn't one shot or anything, but it's some of the scenes where they're just going
1: through that town, super quiet, making sure they're not getting shot at. That was and Whoseman said he said it was confusing sometimes When they shine cities, not sure whether people were extras or not, whenever
0: they were shooting the scenes. I just find it funny that, like, when the embassy is looking at them killing people, like (laughs) citizens of their country, even though high value targets, as they put it. (laughs) And then the next episode, these guys are just doing whatever they want. All right. Um, Well, other than that, I don't have much to say. Yeah, I'd give it maybe a seven. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye.